We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. September 4th, 2017, College Football Show, a Word of His Radio podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at KylePollockFF. And joining me is my co-host, Jordan Hoover at jhoover9787 on Twitter. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Kyle. Um, traveling for Labor Day weekend, um, staying at the staying with the parents for the weekend. Um, got to see some friends, uh, some family, so everything's good so far for the holiday. And hopefully everyone out there listening is having a good holiday weekend as well. And... Um, we still got some more football. Actually, uh, I think West Virginia and Virginia Tech just kicked off a couple minutes ago. Uh, got it up on the screen. So still some football left. And, uh, yeah, how's everything going yes. with you? Yeah, good. I got I got that game around in the background, too. Finally got some, some live action yesterday. Worked my first game uh, as an intern for the Penn State football team. So I was really excited about that. Uh, big win for them. And some pretty good action yesterday. Uh, Bama, Florida State didn't live up to the hype, but we, you know, there's always a couple other games to watch with CFB. So we got we got some good games, which I was very happy about. Um, and you know, today was a big day with NFL cuts today and yesterday. A lot of kind of surprising news with that. Jonathan Williams got cut. Um, I know that was a big shock to a lot of people in the fantasy community. If you want to keep up with all that, you guys know who we are. We're Rotoviz. We we're always keeping you up to date on the latest news. Uh, we got we got your app we got our apps all up to date with the custom cheat sheet and projection wizard for your drafts. I know a lot of people probably have drafts uh, 
tomorrow. I have a draft tomorrow night from one of my last redraft leagues, and I'll probably be using that to get going with it. So we, we got all those great apps coming to help you out with your drafts. Um, a lot of new articles, like I was saying. And if you're a listener for the show, you can always get that 30% discount that we've been talking for the past couple of weeks if you want to uh, use the NFL Pass. It's for podcast listeners only, and it's available through the homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Um, you know Jordan and I love Rotoviz. Obviously, we write for them. Uh, he's been putting out a lot of great content with his college football pieces as well, so follow that throughout the season. And, yeah, just keep checking out our content over at the Rotoviz page. Um, so we're going to hop right into, we have a couple games to recap from this weekend, obviously, first full slate of games, and then we'll be previewing a couple of the big games for next week, again, a couple of marquee, uh, out-of-conference games next week with Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Notre Dame, Georgia, games of that nature, even a couple of big, uh, in-conference games. Um, first kind of big piece of news I want to cover is DeAndre Francois got hurt last night for Florida State in that Florida State-Alabama game that so many people were talking about, um just announced that he's out for the season. I believe it's a patellar tendon injury. Uh, they didn't exactly say what it was, but he is out for the year. It's a huge blow to Florida State. Um, James Blackman, true freshman, is expected to take over. I think this is really going to impact their passing game a lot. Obviously, they're starting quarterbacks out, but they're going to be running the ball a lot more, in my opinion. Kind of lean on Cam Akers, who looked pretty good last night. Lean on, lean on Jock Patrick a little bit more. Um, might be a little tougher for Auden Tate, Nyquan Murray, and uh, George Campbell to put up those big numbers. Um, I, I'm, I feel horrible for the whole team that this happened. feel horrible for Francois that you know, this is really going to impact his NFL future, impact what uh, was supposed to be a national championship type season for Florida State. So kind of just a, a bad situation all around for these guys. But um, guys like Cam Akers and Jack Patrick might benefit from it a lot. Yeah, um, kind of just echoing what you said. It's, you feel bad for the kid because... You know, he was building um, on a really solid season from last year, um, anticipating probably more progression. I know that we were both pretty high on him. Um, he, You know, he could have come out for the draft next year. He's draft eligible. Um, he may have stayed in school anyways, regardless. Um, it doesn't really matter at this point. It's more about his recovery. But we know how terrible those patellar tendon injuries can be for football players. Um, so hopefully, you know... I was pretty high on Francois um, as an NFL prospect, so I'm just hoping that he can get a full recovery and get back to playing football hopefully next season. Um, But like you said, this definitely does affect what Florida State's going to be able to do on that side of the football. Um, They struggle to run the ball against Alabama, predictably, um, because Alabama's always really good against the run. But like you said, Cam Akers, uh, I think he got... 10 carries in that game for 30 yards I believe was his stat line so he was the leading rusher for the team um, and but like you said they're probably going to need more than just Cam Akers now because they're going to have to break uh, they're going to have to give James Blackman a little bit of time I think to get acclimated to the offense and running it but um, yeah it was a tough you know tough loss let down way to start the season and your quarterback gets hurt it's a tough way to start for the Seminoles Definitely, yeah, and that was kind of an ugly game, too. That was my concern with this game, was uh, Florida State's offensive line versus Bama's defensive line. Francois took a pounding in the Orange Bowl against Michigan, and that was... I, I like Francois. I think I had him about QB 8 or 9, kind of 10, that range for next year. But my concern was, you know, he's taken a lot of beating already coming in, um, and if this year he keeps taking more, my health was a concern for me, and kind of pocket presence if he gets scared... Um, 
scared, kind of gets like ghost of uh, beatings past almost yeah. um, coming in as a quarterback. And sure enough, first game, gets drilled, rolls up, rolls up on his leg wrong and out for the year. So kind of too bad for him. Hopefully he recovers. Um, next next note for us is uh, kind of a very high scoring game, which I was surprised by. It was I'm not surprised by the high score per se, but uh, that both teams scored so high. Uh, Missouri knocked off Missouri State, seventy-two to forty-eight, I believe. I don't know if it was forty-eight or forty-three. I, my bad. I don't have the score pulled up. But Drew Locke from Missouri tied an SEC record with seven touchdowns, threw for five hundred twenty-one yards. The Missouri offense put up eight hundred fifteen total yards. Demaria uh, Crockett, who I love a ton, he's my running back one for next year's class, not 2018, 2019. My running back two coming out of high school moved him up to running back one after last year. Had 202 yards and two touchdowns. Um, a guy that I kind of highlighted over at DLF as a breakout guy for this year that had, uh, you know, I'd never heard of him before. Um, watching Crockett's highlights, he, he, was, he was the next highlight that was on next, was Jonathan Johnson. Uh, was a good return guy, big play threat for them last year. Had five catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, one kick return for 10 yards, and Jamon Moore, who's a receiver I know some people like, had four for 187 and two touchdowns. I know I knew Missouri had a good offense, but I was not expecting them to be this good. I don't know about you, but I didn't expect them to put up this type of numbers week one. Yeah, over 800 total yards. I mean, anytime you see that, it kind of it just opens your eyes because you don't see it very often. Seven passing touchdowns for Drew Locke, like you said, over 500 yards. Uh, all the guys, all the guys that we kind of highlighted on this offense in the. Uh, preview series that we did before the season they all pretty much stepped up and came out and got a piece of this uh offensive outburst um I I I like you know I I think Locke is an interesting is an interesting guy to watch moving forward we we touched on him briefly in the preview uh but this is a tremendous start Crockett we're both high on him I like Jamal Moore um I I don't know necessarily if he can be like a like a wide receiver one type at the NFL level, but he's going to be pretty productive in this offense, especially if this is any indication of how it's going to be moving forward. Missouri's off or uh, defense, excuse me, is uh, that that to me might have been this. That's the second largest takeaway for me from this game is the fact that they gave up or they let up 43 points to an FCS school. They were really bad last year. I think they were 118th in um, total defense from a season ago. And it looks like it's going to be shaky again, so you know we might we might see kind of these video game numbers in in their games moving forward. Yeah, might have a Texas Tech type situation there yeah. after, after the Tigers. Right. Um, I didn't mind Drew Lock. I don't think I had him super high in my quarterback rankings for next year. Um, as a freshman, he started, which was good. I like that he was able to start young. Has a big arm, but. I'm not really sure what to make uh, in terms of NFL potential for him. Do you have any read on him for that? Or um, it's it's kind of tough because let me let me pull up my rankings. Um, I think I have him around like maybe QB twelve ish for the class. Um, I haven't I haven't actually gotten to watch a ton. Um, yeah. But he's definitely one that before the season I was I, I wanted to keep a closer eye on. And, and see how he progresses um, moving forward this season to get a better idea. But, you know, one game, it's it's great whenever you put up these kind of numbers, but in the end it's just one game, and he obviously has to do much more um, moving forward. But he's definitely one that I wanted to keep an eye on um, for, for the class. 
Yeah, definitely. I agree. And, you know, with some of the other top QBs struggling for this year, who knows? He could be a guy that ends up coming out and rising up the board. Um, but we had another offense that went off this week, uh, Thursday night, Oklahoma State, um, who's a team I'm really high on this year. I have them making the playoff. They, you know, predictably torched Tulsa, Mason Rudolph, 20 for 24, 303 yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing. Justice Hill, 15 carries, 132 yards, one touchdown. And James Washington, who I know you're really high on. I like him a lot, too. Not as high as you, but still, you know, top five, top three type receiver for me. Uh, six catches, 145 yards, two touchdowns, including a 77-yarder. Uh, this offense is explosive. We all knew that. And I'm happy to see them meet our expectations. I think they're a team that's kind of a little bit underrated right now in, in terms of uh, national prominence. Yeah, we, we love this offense. We talked about them a lot um, leading up to the start of the season, and they didn't let us down. Um, my boy James Washington, he just he he doesn't look you know he he doesn't have the build and the stature that you would usually assume that a dominant receiver would have. He's you know he's shorter, um, he's he's about two hundred five pounds. But the way that he the way that he uh, gets open downfield and manipulates his body, it's Tulsa. But he's been doing this now for over for over a season. Uh, he just consistently. He just finds a way to get downfield and make plays. It's just what he does. Um, and again, attached to Mason Rudolph, this you know, I, I don't see any any reason why this offense is going to slow down. Right, um, Washington. I, I've thought of it before, but a little Amari Cooper esque to me almost, especially if he tests well. Um, kind of you know, Cooper with a little bit kind of similar build to him, six foot, six one, two oh five, two ten. Someone that could obviously just go wherever you want on the defense, obviously finds a soft spot in zones, and obviously a, a top target for one of the top teams in the country. So that's kind of who Washington reminds me of right now, an Amari Cooper light type, at least um, in terms of his profile. Might not profile exactly like him in terms of film, but his numbers as athleticism, that's what kind of backs it up for me. And one other guy I want to highlight, I really like Tyrone Johnson a lot. I mentioned him in the preview. He had a uh, first touchdown for them of the game, a uh, 44-yard reception, and he had 29-yard kick return. So hopefully as the year moves along, he kind of moves up to the wide receiver two on the depth chart and is able to kind of fill in for James Washington next year as the wide receiver one once he graduates. Yeah, and I think um, I think you mentioned uh, Justice Hill as well in the in the lead-in. Um, he looked really good again. He's he's just a really dynamic running back. Um, he, I, he's one of my favorites for, I think he's the 2019 class. Um, but he's, you know... He's definitely a guy that is was really productive as a freshman. Uh, kind of bumped Chris Carson out of the way in that in that backfield last year, and uh, he he continues. You know, just picked up where he left off, and he's just the you know he's like the third piece of that offensive uh, puzzle that they put together there at Oklahoma State. And it's just going to be fun watching the watching these games. They they should just they look like they're clicking on all cylinders and. You know, until they until they come up against a real stout defense, they're probably just going to be able to do pretty much whatever they want. Yeah, Hill, like you said, a guy that I think is really underrated. Yeah, could be one of the better backs in the country this year. Yeah. Um, definitely in the Big Twelve. Um, the other game on Thursday was kind of the primetime game on FS1. Besides the Ohio State Indiana game, obviously it was the other primetime game. Was Washington going to Rutgers? I had Washington was favored by 27 and a half, and I thought that line was way too low. And Rutgers came out and surprised me a lot. They looked very good in the first half. Um, I'm sure a couple of people saw Jake Browning got 
absolutely Oof. rocked on one on one play. Um, looked like he might have gotten hurt, but he was okay. He came back, but a little bit of a slow start for that whole offense too. Browning was only 17 for 30, 284 yards, two touchdowns, which uh, I thought it was both uh, interesting that both those touchdowns went to the two running backs, Miles Gaskin and LeVon Coleman. Gaskin's a guy that a lot of people like, but Coleman actually had 14 carries to Gaskin's seven. Uh, Gaskin outgained him 59 yards to 40, and he, Gaskin also had five catches for 79 yards, and that touchdown, like I mentioned, and a guy, you know, another guy I like a lot that I said in the preview was Dante Pettis. He had three catches for 85 yards, no touchdowns, but got deep a couple times. Browning missed him once or twice because Browning doesn't have the best arm strength in the world, but a little disappointed to see Washington get off to that slow start. Um, I like them a lot this year. Had them in my playoff, actually, that I tweeted out the other day, so kind of kind of disappointed to see them get off to such a slow start against what should be pretty pretty abysmal Rutgers team. Yeah, that was really surprising. I, I wasn't anticipating Rutgers putting up much of a fight in this game at all. Um, and it's one of those things where you see this the score scroll across the bottom early on whenever it was really close and you just kind of do a double take. And yeah, if you haven't seen uh, if you haven't seen a replay of that Jake Browning hit, I, I don't I don't know the name of the Rutgers uh, defender who hit him, but my goodness. Uh, <laughs> it was good to see him get up because that was the kind of hit that kind of, you know, when you see that, you think the guy might might just stay on the ground. But he bounced back up, looked a little wobbly. Um, and you and you kind of hit on the, the running back split. Um, we went into... We went into pretty good detail talking about this backfield in the Pac-12 uh, Pac preview, um, and we talked about how Gaskin is kind of the smaller of the two. Coleman's about 220 pounds, kind of the in-between tackles runner. Um, both caught a touchdown, like you said, which is uh, good to see for them. Um, and and Pettis, uh, again, like you said, had three catches for 85 yards. So he's, you know, still still is that explosive playmaker downfield. Um Browning, you'd like to see him be a little, be more efficient with his throws, but um, I think I, I I think that they'll that he'll rebound from this. I, I don't think we'll we'll consistently see like a completion percentage hovering around fifty percent for him. I think that he's a better player than that. Um, but yeah, the backfield situation moving forward will be interesting to see if it's going to stay this kind of split with Coleman carrying the majority of the load. I think that he's a little bit underrated. Um, in the draft community at this point and if he continues to see you know the the large majority of the touches I think that we'll we'll be able to see that bear out um, moving forward right yeah the, um, I'm not a huge fan of Browning as it is so this game kind of didn't really do anything for me either way um, like you said that backfield is kind of one to watch I could I could see it on Twitter already people saying you know Coleman over Gaskin yep can already picture it just to back up over the you know starter obviously that's that's a common take for a lot of people yeah and speaking of twitter um i know next on our list is is josh allen um uh feels like kind of feels like he's going to be the a divisive prospect moving forward uh i tweeted a little bit about it um a couple days ago but and we've talked about it too as well uh, i wrote about it in my article last week on rotaviz about how He's already being anointed as kind of like a top, you know, usually a top three quarterback in this class, um, but his production so far really doesn't show that to me at least, and um, I, know, I know you probably have some thoughts about how he did against Iowa, um, pretty disappointing performance. Yeah, 
Um, obviously, Allen was he was 23 for 40 for 174 yards, two two interceptions. Excuse me, no touchdowns, uh, and 24.9 QBR. So obviously, a, a pretty bad start for him. And you know, I I, ha I was looking at his game log earlier, and against you know all, all the decent competition he's faced, not just uh, Power Five. Obviously, the only two Power Five teams he's faced are Iowa and Nebraska, and um, Nebraska 50% completion. 50% completion percentage, Colorado State 38.9, Boise State 58.1, San Diego State 51.6 and 45.3, BYU 53.1. He struggles with his accuracy. You can, it bears it out in the stats when he plays good games. Um, you know, I said it when I was, you know, talking to my friend about the game, and I, I said he's basically Patrick Mahomes without the consistency. <laughs> and Mahomes' issue right now is consistency. That's why he's not starting yet in Kansas City. Yeah. So if he's struggling with this at the college level, I don't know how he's going to be able to adapt at the NFL level. It, um, I know the NFL Network tweeted out the other day, he might be the most talented quarterback since Cam Newton, and I cannot disagree with that more. Yeah, that's a, that's a hot take alert. Um, yes. <laughs> and I, I get it. It's, I like the comparison that you made between kind of like the similarities he has with Pat Mahomes because I, whenever the Chiefs played their last preseason game, Mahomes was making some ridiculous throws that were that were going around on Twitter, um, but he also yeah I know I he, I tweeted out I, I quoted one of the tweets and tweeted at the Chiefs and said start him after he made one of those throws yeah and it's great that he can that he has that ability and and that arm strength but then he also in the same game makes a handful of really really poor decisions the kind of decisions that will get you yanked in the NFL and I think that. Maybe that's kind of the same deal with Josh Allen. He's right now. I feel like people are 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 ranking him based on a projection that they think they can envision happening, but not necessarily taking into account what he's actually shown us so far. And I personally am a pretty big believer in in evaluating what people have put on paper so far more so than just trying to project because we are um, imperfect. Uh, imperfect projectors of future success uh at this you know relatively speaking so um until you know until we see him turn a corner and start being more accurate on a consistent basis i just have a hard time getting on getting on the train with everyone else mm -hmm. yeah alan doesn't hit any of those statistical check marks um that that quarterbacks need to hit for me to be drafted at least in the first round so i think i have him as top five right now but I'm probably going to end up moving him down just based on, you know, even if he does well against some of the lesser uh, Mountain West competition, I'll probably end up moving him down because guys like, you know, Brandon Wimbush or someone like Drew Locke even, you know, could, with a good season, could jump over him for me. Um, and the last game we're going to recap is uh, Louisville. I don't know if anyone caught that one last night, but um, it was on the same time as Bama and Florida State. A little more entertaining, in my opinion. Kind of watched the end of that game as opposed to Bama Florida State. Um, they won a close one, 35-28 against Purdue. Lamar Jackson was fine. wasn't uh, anything due to his problem. He had 378 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 107 rushing yards, kind of what we're used to from the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Cooper's receivers, Jalen Smith, Des Fitzpatrick, both very impressive. Uh, Smith had eight catches for 117 yards. Fitzpatrick, four catches for 95 yards and a touchdown, which that touchdown was really impressive from Jackson. He fit into a tight window between two defenders, so... Anyone that says Jackson needs to switch from quarterback to switch to wide receiver from quarterback, I, I tell you to go look at that throw. I think uh, 
he, he's got the traits to stick a quarterback at the next level. Louisville's defense, which was really the concern in this game. Um, Purdue's offense looked pretty good. Their quarterback, David Blau, got hurt late in the game, but uh, just kind of a little, little surprised to see that score more than anything else. Yeah, um, I know that Purdue, some people were kind of thinking Purdue might make strides this year uh, with the new offensive philosophy, and they definitely they did well to hang in with Louisville in this game. Um, but I just love I just love seeing Lamar Jackson play well, man. I'm I'm just I'm on Team Jackson here, uh, and and also Jalen Smith too. That was good to see him kind of bust out as well. Uh, two guys that I really like, um, and like you said, I think that you know we kind of talked about this before as well about how Lamar Jackson was. It kind of seemed like people were sleeping on him for for whatever reason going into the season, even though he won the Heisman Trophy last year, um, and. People were talking about position changes for him, like you mentioned, but I just think that's silly, honestly, and um, glad, you know, glad to see him come out strong in the first game, and I think that he's just going to keep building on it. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer at this point. Me too. I don't know how you can't root for the guy. He's so much fun to watch. Right. Just a, a total joy on the field. Um, so with all our picks from last week, uh, we still got the, the game tonight that we picked West Virginia, Virginia Tech, and I think we split on that one. I took West Virginia, you took Virginia Tech. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, so I, I believe I'm 5-4-1, you're 4-5-1, so pretty close. Um, we both lost our upset pick last week against the spread. I think both teams lost outright too. Um, so not not phenomenal. It's, it's hard out here. <laughs> but we're looking up after the first week. We went 1-2-1, one, one, both of us in the first week. So we're both looking up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling good. I might want to roll these picks over onto, onto my bookie. Um, we talked about them last week. They got a great rep, 100% cash bonuses. Um, so w- when you're feeling good after you hear all our picks tonight, you can, you can go over there. They'll give you money for basically doing nothing and just for listening to us. So if you have any problems, come to us, not them, because they got that rock-solid reputation that they want to uphold. Um, us, not so much. We might not have that, that <laughs> rock-solid reputation like they have. Um, I wouldn't recommend this to, to anyone if I didn't want to do it myself. Um, I'm, a, I'm a broke college student, so I can't exactly put my money where my mouth is. But if I wasn't, I would definitely head on over to my bookie. Um, they also have in-game betting, so if you take our advice, uh, you're not looking so well. Say, say someone for some reason told you to pick Middle Tennessee State and they're getting cooked by Vanderbilt, you could, <laughs> um, you could, uh, you know, switch mid-game, make make some of that money back with their awesome in-game betting. Um, like I mentioned, you can head on over there now to match your deposit with up to 100% bonus um, as long as you use promo code ROTOCFB uh, for our podcast. So if you visit mybookie.ag today, you play, you win, and you'll get paid. Um, so like I was saying, we're going to have some of our picks for this week. Uh, we're getting seven games previewed this week plus our upset pick like we did last week. The first game we're going to get into is TCU versus Arkansas. Um, I didn't catch either of these two games, uh, either of these two teams this week, but TCU had some young guys step up for them, which I was very happy to see. Um, particularly, I know I butchered the name last week. Um, I believe it was Sewo Uluwele. I don't know. <laughs> o That's what I'm going to go with. I'm just going to shorten it to Sewo O. There you go. Um, very athletic guy. He had seven carries for 30 yards. Sean Robinson, um, he was my number two quarterback in this year's freshman class uh, came in late after they beat up on Jackson State 63 nothing. Uh, he had five five passes for excuse me, five completions uh, five for seven 
whatever. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sorry. Um, five for seven, 94 yards, two touchdowns uh, in late action. Also three carries for 43 yards. I'm hoping he can overtake Kenny Hill at some point this year. I really, really like him. So I was happy to see that. Um, and the other young freshman for them, Jalen Rieger, two catches, 37 yards, uh, long of 32. So just kind of a young offense that um, I really am excited to see. The defense looked improved from last year because they had a pretty poor defense. Obviously, it's Jackson State, but they gave up no points, so I was happy to see that. Um, I know Arkansas won two. Deva Whaley uh, and Chase Hayden both had a good week. Chase Hayden, a true freshman, um, kind of out of nowhere uh, this week. I know I've seen a couple people tweeting about him on Twitter. He led the team in rushing 14 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Um, you know, Malik Williams was the more highly touted freshman there, but Hayden kind of you know surprised on the depth chart. Showed up as the backup to Devil Whaley and ended up leading the team in rushing this week. Um, Arkansas is favored by one, one and a half, depending uh, which service you go to. It's at home for Arkansas, but I wouldn't take TCU. I like that offense a lot. Um, I think the Arkansas offense could kind of be in for a little bit of shock. I don't think they have the strongest uh, attack in the world, and I think the defense for for uh, TCU is a little bit more improved this year. So I like TCU uh, plus one and a half in this game. I like that pick. Um, one thing that kind of surprised me about TCU uh, and Kenny Hill was Kenny Hill. I uh, kind of dogged, kind of dogged on him a little bit before the season, um, but he, you know, he was really efficient in this game. Um, four touchdowns, one interception, eighteen to twenty-three, really efficient. And I want to say that fourteen different, uh, fourteen different players caught a pass in this game for TCU, which is pretty wild. They really spread the ball around. Um, which is a good sign uh, to get everyone involved. Um, I know that Kyle Hicks also, I think, got hurt in this game. I was pretty high on him running back for TCU. I'm not quite sure what the injury was or and if he'll be back for Arkansas or not. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, Kenny Hill just kind of drives me crazy because we saw, like, you know, back when he played at Texas A&M, there were times where he – we saw the upside that he presents, but then we saw the real bad, you know, the real, the bad Kenny Hill, the downside was always there looming around the corner. Um, and I'm not, this one game has not convinced me that this is the new and improved brand new Kenny Hill um, going to stay, you know, this is a huge jump up in competition this week against an SEC team in Arkansas, at Arkansas. I think I'm going to go, I'm going to take Arkansas minus one and a half. Um, I think the run game, like you, you mentioned, the TCU defense looks improved, and they they quite you know they quite likely are from last year. But I'm still not convinced that once they go up against again SEC competition, the, the kind of running game that Arkansas can put on the field, uh, I I just have a feeling that this might turn into kind of like a body blow game. Um, and I'm not you know I don't want to predict a Kenny Hill meltdown, but I'm just not ready yet to uh, change my tune on him quite yet. Um, so I'll go Arkansas minus one and a half. I'll agree. I don't, I don't feel I don't feel great relying on Kenny Hill for any pick. Right. So right. I think that's a, that's definitely a fair pick. <laughs> um, another Arkansas team, kind of in the news this week. Arkansas State nearly knocked off Nebraska last night. They recovered an onside kick with 40 seconds left, but couldn't couldn't score again. Uh, Nebraska won 43 to 36. But uh, the next game we'll preview in this week is Nebraska Oregon. Uh, Oregon's favored by nine and a half. They're at home. Um, Oregon put up 77 last night on Southern Utah, obviously Southern Utah, so take it with a grain of salt, but 
Royce Freeman, 23 carries, 150 yards, four touchdowns. Justin Herbert, just one touchdown, but very efficient. Uh, had a 96 QBR rating. Um, Charles Nelson, uh, two-way player for them, five catches, 99 yards. Um, really run heavy, as you could expect with Oregon. A uh, new coach coming in, too. Uh, from UCF, who's also very USF, excuse me, who's also very run heavy. So 27 pass attempts to 52 rush attempts, um, but over over 700 yards of offense for them. So um, should be interesting to see that against a Nebraska team that gave up 36 to Arkansas State this week. Um, Arkansas State's offense looked pretty good though. Uh, Trey Bryant, uh, who's a who's a pretty good spark athlete coming out of high school, had 31 carries for 192 yards and one touchdown. Um, I, I was interested to kind of see how that backfield shook out. There were, were one or two guys kind of fighting for Bryant with touches, and he clearly won. Um, Stanley Morgan, five catches for 102 yards and a touchdown, and highly touted freshman Tyjon Ty Lindsey, uh, kind of a disappointing opener for him, three catches for 14 yards, so pretty, pretty low uh, yards per reception there. And Tanner Lee started for them. Um, Average average game, 19 for 32, 238 yards and two touchdowns. Um, Nebraska's defense struggling against Arkansas State and Oregon putting up 77. Coupled with Oregon being at home, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Oregon with the points here. Uh, Oregon minus nine and a half for me. So I I think it might be over two touchdowns. Oregon. I I think Oregon. I'm not gonna say Oregon's back because. People have been saying Texas is back, and look what happened to them. But I think Oregon's uh, Oregon's on their way to being back. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Oregon minus uh, nine and a half at home. Um, you just you hit on a, a lot of great points there. It's the you know the Nebraska defense really they struggled. That's probably the best way to put it. They struggled last week, like you said. Oregon put up 77 points. Uh, I think that I think that this game is probably going to be a bit of a shootout. Um, I'm not a Tanner Lee believer I think he's another guy that that's kind of I, I think in in his in his situation it was because of his performance at the Manning camp um, you know he, he got he got a lot of high praise for his performance there and it kind of started snowballing downhill he you, you read his stat line it's pretty mediocre um, I, I I don't know he's probably going to be okay against Oregon because I'm not a believer in their defense um, at all but like you said, Nebraska's defense didn't look very good either. So I think that Oregon is essentially just going to outscore Nebraska, but I think that both teams will probably put up points in this game. Mm -hmm. um, the other game we have for this week, or one of the other games we have for this week, I couldn't find the line on it. The only line I could find was from the summer, right when it opened up. Notre Dame or Georgia at Notre Dame. Um, I didn't. I, w I didn't know these two teams were playing uh, before we were. I started looking into it. Um, so I, I'm pretty excited for this matchup. Notre Dame was minus two and a half when it opened in the summer. Um, unfortunately, Jacob Eason got hurt uh, in their Georgia's game this week against App State. No, they haven't announced what it is yet. I know uh, David Chow, the resident Twitter doctor, had said um, it looked like it could be an ACL for him which would be very unfortunate for such a highly touted prospect. Um, but I wasn't super high on Eason. I actually like his backup, Jake Fromm, better. Uh, Jake Fromm State Farm came in and had 10 completions for 15 yards, uh, 140, 10 compl excuse me, 10 completions on 15 attempts for 143 yards, one touchdown. Uh, touchdown went to Javon Wims, uh, kind of an athletic guy who ha hasn't done a lot yet, but glad, glad he had a nice game, three catches for 81 yards, but... Besides Eason getting hurt, the biggest uh, revelation for, in Georgia's offense for me was uh, DeAndre Swift, a true freshman, 
got six carries for 31 yards, which in such a loaded backfield with Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, um, Elijah Holyfield, who didn't play at all. I'm not sure if he got hurt. I know he might have gotten suspended actually for uh, off-season issues. Uh, Brian Harrion, who you know, not the least talented of all of them, that but has been impressive in limited work. Um, so for Swift to come in right away and get six carries for 31 yards, I think bodes well for next year. They all they have the number one running back in the country coming in for next year, but if Swift could kind of get a timeshare going with him, like Chubb and Michelle had, uh, Chubb had 15 carries, Michelle had 16 carries. And both pretty balanced. 96 yards for Chubb, 87 for Michelle, two touchdowns for Chubb, one for Michelle. If they can kind of get a similar split going there, um, like like Georgia has now, I think Georgia's offense should be just fine next year. And um, if Fromm, you know, is able to kind of keep keep doing what he's doing, he he's an advanced quarterback for someone his age. He doesn't uh, might not have the arm that a guy like Jacob Eason has, but I think he kind of has the the mental side of the game down for someone so young. I don't, I'm not sure Georgia's offense drops off at all with Fromm at the helm. Um, I don't know what I, I know. You were kind of on board with me with Easton, but I don't know what you think of Fromm. Yeah, I um I, I know how you you know first of, well first of all I wanted to say you need to get that nickname patented trademarked right now before someone else steals it because that's perfect. I will say I can't I can't take credit for that one in one of my leagues. Uh, Chris Chung at FF Dynasty, one I believe on Twitter. Uh, he has Jake Fromm. That's his name for his college fantasy team jake from state farm he said he's waiting for him to get to the nfl so well shout, shout out yeah to, shout out shout out to chris for that one <laughs> shout out um, where shout out where shout outs are due yes um yeah i i i kind of like you know he he looked really good from um in the in the limited action that he saw uh 15 attempts uh in this last game and i kind of I, i'm on board with you about george's defense or offense excuse me not necessarily taking a huge step uh, back if Eason is out for an extended period of time I'm just I just love the backfield that they have and it and it's not that their quarterback doesn't matter but as long as you have guys like Chubb and Michelle and Swift all rotating in all very capable um, it you know as long as you can keep that running game going you can you don't have to expect as much from a quarterback as opposed to a different offense where it would be more centric on the quarterback. And that's kind of the way that I looked at it going in with Eason as quarterback as well. Um, I really thought that they were going to rely on the run game, and I think that's probably how it's going to continue. Um, we talked about Michelle and Chubb um, <clears throat> excuse me, in the preview, and um, it was interesting to see that they, they gave them a pretty even split of carries. Um, I don't know necessarily if that's going to always pan out that way moving forward, but I'm pretty high on Michelle as a running back, and I was pretty excited to see that he got the ball 16 times um, with a healthy chub and, like you said, Swift also there. So um, that was pretty uh, – that was something that I was happy to see. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that Fromm is going to be just fine. I think that this offense is going to be just fine with him under center. And I think they're probably going to keep relying on the run game. Um, and I know that you're pretty high on Brandon Wimbush, uh, Notre Dame's quarterback. Um, I know that he, pulling up his stat line, two touchdowns, one interception, 17 to 30, 184 yards. Um, I saw he made a couple nice throws, uh, sort of following that on Twitter. Uh, and I really like Josh Adams, their running back. He, he was really productive in their last game, too. 19 carries, 161 yards, two touchdowns. I, I'm pretty high on him, and I think that he projects, in my opinion, pretty well at the next level. It'll be interesting to see if it continues going down this road with him 
um, handling the majority of touches. And I think you were pretty high on Tony Jones Jr. Is that is that right too? Yeah, I think uh, he's an underrated guy. Um, don't think he's necessarily going to get a lot of work. Just someone who kind of needs to be monitored more in Debbie circles. But Wimbush, like you said, is the guy I'm really high on on the Notre Dame offense. Uh, him and uh, ESB, Equinemius St. Browner. Yeah. Kind of my the two guys. Browns St. Brown's my number one receiver for this year. Wimbush, I think I have him third, I believe, in quarterbacks. Um, he also ran for over 100 yards against Temple, 100 yards and a touchdown. So that's kind of the matchup I really want to see. Georgia's defense versus Wimbush in his first real tough start as a uh, you know college quarterback. Temple's Temple's a good team. They've been good the past couple of years, but they're going to be down this year. They lost their coach. They lost their quarterback. Lost their running back. Uh, top receiving options. So. I, I'm interested to see how Wimbush is able to handle Georgia's defense, how, like you said, Adams, who had a great game, um, and that rushing attack. Dexter Williams also had six carries for 124 yards. Um, so that, that, that Georgia defensive, Georgia's defensive line, their whole front seven, basically, against uh, Notre Dame's rush attack and how that affects uh, Wimbush's processing skills um, when, when he's under pressure. Because I don't think someone like St. Brown, someone like Elise Mack, um, I don't think you know. I don't think those guys will have problems getting open against their secondary. Georgia doesn't have a uh, great secondary, um, so I want to see really how Wimbush does. Uh, if the line was at Notre Dame two and a half, it's really tight for me. It, it's kind of a, I would say, a pick 'em for me with it also being Fromm's uh, first field, first real test. Um, I'm gonna take Georgia just because Notre Dame's defense has been paper, paper thin the past couple of years, especially the rush defense. Um, and you got Chubb, Michelle, DeAndre Swift, um, Harry, and like I mentioned, all those guys going up against um, Notre Dame's subpar defense. I think that could bode for some trouble for them. Yeah, this is a this is a really tough one. I I kind of agree with you. I feel like this is a really even matchup, and there, you know, there are a lot of different variables going in here that could swing it one way or the other. Um, I think the game is the game is at Notre Dame, and if we're going with that two and a half point line. I think I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to go Georgia plus two and a half. Um, but I don't have a great read on this one. I think that this is this is definitely one of the more intriguing matchups this week, I think, for a lot of different reasons. The, you know, most of them you laid out already. But, um, yeah, I think in a game this close, I'm going to take Georgia plus two and a half. Don't feel great about it, but that's what I'm going to stick with. Um Right, like you said, uh, this is one of the games I'm more excited for yeah. um, this week. So it, it's a it's a solid slate this week, and we're definitely going to have more of those games coming up. Um, the game I'll be at this week, I'll be working again, um, Penn State-Pitt. I'm very excited for this one. Um, hoping, you know, obviously Penn State comes back and gets a little revenge on, on last year's game that probably kept them out of the playoffs. Um, Penn State looked very good this week, obviously. Saquon Barkley, if you hadn't heard. Um, he's good at football. Or, he, yeah, he's, he's not bad. Um, had, a, had a phenomenal performance again this week. Uh, I believe about 220 all-purpose yards between uh, kickoff returns. Uh, had an over 50-yard reception. Uh, I believe about 180 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Um, had one called back where he went about 70 yards, and they ruled about a bounds at the 7-yard line. Um, so basically that offense as a whole looked phenomenal. Trace McSorley was a little shaky in the first quarter. Um, missed Jawan Johnson and Mike Gusecki on a couple throws where if he had led them better, would have been touchdowns. Didn't matter. The offense still went down and scored anyway. Um, Gusecki had a nice game, had two touchdowns, over 50 yards. 
Jawan Johnson had 84 yards, no touchdown, but um, kind of a good start for him as uh, his first game as Penn State's top receiver. Um, other than that, I was really happy with how the team looked this week for Penn State. Um, defense looked solid. Pitt um, went to overtime with Youngstown State, so a little concerning for your Pitt fan. If you're going to overtime with Youngstown State and you're taking on the number six team in the country at home with a revenge factor the next week, uh, Penn State's favored by 18 and a half. This is going to be my lock of the century. Uh, I'm taking Penn State plus 18 and a half pretty easily for me. Uh, go State. Yeah, um, yeah, you laid it out. Penn State looked really good on offense. One, th- one th- uh, smaller thing that I was really um, encouraged by was the kick return game for Penn State. DeAndre Tompkins, he had uh, mm-hmm. four punt returns, 127 yards, and a touchdown. And he looked really dynamic in that role. And that's something that, you know, for real, for real football purposes, I think sometimes gets maybe underlooked a bit. You always hear coaches talk about special teams, special teams. But it's true, like when you have a really dynamic guy in the, in the kick return game who can consistently flip fields for you and put your offense in good position it helps immensely and Penn State's offense can you know they don't necessarily need more help they're going to be good regardless but if but if he can keep putting the offense on you know plus field position um, it's just going to make them even more dangerous so that's definitely something that that was uh, a development that I thought was pretty pretty interesting to have that kind of element come into the game Um, yeah like you said Barkley looked like Saquon Barkley he's in in both of our opinions, the best running back in the country, Trace McSorley, like you said, looked a little bit shaky. Um, it just seems like he's always going to kind of be that sort of not necessarily uneven because I think he's better than that, but he's just we may not ever see a completely perfect game from him, but he still makes so many plays and puts the team in a good position to win. So it's hard to really argue too much. And Mike Kosicki, two touchdowns. That was great to see. He's I'm pretty high on him in the tight end class coming up. Um, I know that Pitt, uh, Kadri Olison, uh, I think injured his ankle in the game against Youngtown, Youngstown State, and I'm not sure if he's going to be playing in this game. He's, in my opinion, probably their their best player on offense. Uh, I know he rushed for 91 yards and two touchdowns, caught five passes in the last game, so he's a pretty big part of their offense, and if he is indeed out, they're going to have guys to fill in behind him, but that's a pretty big loss for them. And uh, going up against Penn State, that offense, they need all the pieces they they have to be able to keep up, I think. Um, So I am going to agree with you. Um, I'm going to go Penn State minus 18.5, not even a homer pick. Uh, I think that, especially if Olsen is out, I think Pitt might struggle on offense. And I just don't think they have enough of what it takes to be able to slow down Penn uh, Penn State's offense on the other side. So... I'm going to go with you, Penn State, minus 18.5. Yeah, just we're, we're not we're not being homer picks with these. It's just, you know, obviously uh, Pitt also, I, I don't know if you mentioned, they had three defenders suspended for Jordan for the Whitehead. Game. Yeah. And if I didn't, I didn't, yeah, yeah I didn't know, uh, I didn't know Olsen is out yeah, that's either, so Yeah, that's something to keep, I didn't know yeah, keep either, an so. eye on that moving yeah. as we, obviously we're recording this on Sunday, so there's, there's uh, a, a good amount of time between now and game time for things to change, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on if Olsen is, is out with that ankle injury. Uh, that's a pretty big downgrade for Pitt, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that I wish I was able to use, I play I play season-long college fantasy. Um, had a great week this week. I was pretty happy with my performance. Saquon Barkley, 38 points this week. One thing I wish I was able to do, I wish I was able to 
still do uh, daily college fantasy. They don't have it anymore over at DraftKings or FanDuel, um, similar to how they don't make the NCAA football game anymore. Although Sony did release a, a little a little tease that some people are saying they might have a, a new college video game coming back, which would which would be awesome. But um, one place where you can do daily fantasy um, is Draft. Um, draft start at just one dollar, um, so there's a draft for everyone. Essentially, it's a, a snake draft, but it's daily fantasy. So you you just do a draft. It lasts for one week. There's no management. All you do is you just kind of set it. You forget it. Um, no trade. No waiver wire. Sets the. It's basically a, a daily daily fantasy best ball league, which which is pretty cool in my opinion. Um, you can download the draft whenever. Search just search draft in the app store and join a game. You could go on your computer at uh, playdraft.com. Um, and for a limited time, all new players get a free entry into a draft whenever you make your first deposit. You just have to use uh, our promo code, which is RV Radio. Um, so basically, as long as you're using that promo, you're getting a free chance to win free money um, in what is a very interesting concept, uh, which is one I thought that was needed in the Daily Fantasy League uh, industry for a while. And that's something that I'll definitely be trying out this week for the first slate of NFL games. That's yeah, draft's a very cool format. And let's be honest, guys. I mean, fantasy is the reason why most of us watch the NFL. I can I can say that myself. Um, I think that the NFL, the product they put out is questionable sometimes, but fantasy keeps me coming back. Um, so that's just another way to get involved and, uh, you know, have fun watching football and, you know, just compete against other people. Fantasy football, it's what a lot of us are super into. Um, so, yeah, definitely check out Draft. Yeah, I know. I, I Growing up, I, you know, I grew up watching Penn State football. I didn't really watch the NFL. Um, I started watching after my, you know, after I started playing fantasy. Um, finally adopted the Browns as my team this year, <laughs> starting from the ground floor. Analytics movement, so figured I'd, I'd get on the bandwagon before anybody else did. So... Um, but if you're like me and you don't have a favorite team, and obviously you're playing fantasy for your interest in the NFL, draft's a great great way to kind of get exposure to a lot of players you don't have and stay interested in every game. So I definitely recommend you guys check that out. Um, we got three more games left to preview, and then uh, our upset picks of the week. Uh, next one is it's a pretty big game. Um, they played last year. Uh, Auburn Clemson. Auburn almost knocked off Clemson last year. Clemson scored last minute, and obviously Clemson went on to win the national championship. Auburn put up 41 in their game against Georgia State. Uh, Jared Stidham was a little shaky. 14 for 24, 185 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. So a um, little, little concerning there. Cameron Petaway didn't play. Um, Baylor, I guess you could call him a transfer. Um, Cam Martin, he, he moved over when uh, after Baylor's coach left. Uh, and he, he was able to play immediately last year but didn't get a lot of run. Um, Cam Martin had 14 carries for 136 yards and a touchdown. Carryon Johnson, uh, the other... The, the lightning to Cameron Petaway's thunder, I would say. Also had a 136 yards and a touchdown. Um, other than that, not a lot of big performances for Auburn. Uh, no catches for Nate Craigmeyers or Kyle Davis, who, you know, two pretty highly touted receivers for them last year. So they put up 41, but didn't exactly impress me in that way. But who did impress me was uh, Kelly Bryant for Clemson. I was, you know, a little concerned with him coming in, taking over for Deshaun Watson. I thought Hunter Johnson might be the one that deserved the job more. I liked Hunter Johnson a lot coming out, but Bryant uh, obviously impressed in this game. 16 for 22, 236 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, obviously his first start, so interception is not a big deal to me. And he also had seven carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. Um, Clubson beat Kent State 56-3. to So I was really uh, impressed with how Bryant looked. 
he was kind of the main reason why I was a little skeptical on Clemson coming into the year. Obviously, their defense with that defensive line of uh, Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence uh, leaves reason to be excited, even though they had so many losses on offense. But if Bryant's, you know, legit with how he looked, I think, you know, they're still a national title contender. They're they're in the the hunt to defend. Yeah, that the last and year. the running back split for for Clemson in this last game was something that was pretty interesting. I thought too, um, pretty even distribution of carries. Travis Etienne, who I think is a f- true freshman, uh, led the team at 81 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked really explosive. Tavian Feaster, who we talked about in the preview, um, I actually thought that he was going to be the main guy. And it could have just been this game. We'll see what happens moving forward. But the the split of carries uh, is interesting, something to watch. And Kelly Bryant also was good on the ground, seven carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. So definitely good to have that kind of element added into the offense. Um, yeah, I mean, if if Kelly Bryant can be you know the stabilizer to to keep you know to keep the ship moving in the right direction, they have an incredible amount of talent, and their defense is great. Um, so yeah, I kind of agree. I think that they're still pointed in the right direction. Um, this is a this is a tough game. Uh, it's an interesting matchup. We have the line at six and a half. Clemson favored by six and a half at home. Um, I think I'm gonna go Clemson minus six and a half. Um, I, I think that this game is probably gonna stay pretty close for the majority of the game. But I think that Clemson, in my opinion, is the more talented of the two teams has more depth, and I think that their defensive line could cause some problems for Stidham. I'm really high on that defensive line, a couple monsters on that defensive line. So um, I'm going to go with Clemson, even though they're giving 6.5 to Auburn. I'm going to agree. Um, it's at home for Clemson, so I, I think they should. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'll say about 10 for Clemson. Um, I'm not super worried about Auburn for them. Kind of a little disappointed. Yeah. Auburn's defense is a little shaky. But like you said, with that that dist- distribution of touches, no one had over ten carries for Clemson, which was interesting to me. They had forty three attempts, but uh, Etienne had eight carries and was the leading leading rusher. So the way they split touches against Auburn will be interesting because Auburn's run defense last year was was pretty good, but they lost Carl Lawson, so this will be their first real test without him. So if they can kind of vary the types of backs they use, um, Eddie and Feaster are pretty similar. Full, uh, T- CJ Fuller, excuse me, also had seven carries, a little bigger. So if they can kind of, you know, attack them up the middle, get the linebackers out in space, and uh, you know, use the read option a little bit with Kelly Bryant, I think that'll definitely work to Clemson's Clemson's advantage. So I'm going to take Clemson uh, minus six and a half, kind of because of that that breakdown that you were talking about. Um, and then there's a big game for this week. Is uh, Ohio State minus seven? Ohio State's favored by uh, seven and a half at home against Oklahoma. Um, I know they had a big game this week um, against Indiana, or excuse me, it was at Indiana, but they, they had the primetime game Thursday. Um, and unfortunately, one of one of your big guys, who I know both you and I both like, you've been talking about. Yeah, Twitter, uh, Nick Westbrook. He's kind of kind of my guy on that offense. Um, you know, when we were talking about these games last week. When we recorded, I was under the impression that Simi Cobbs wasn't even going to play, and then he just goes out and beasts all over Ohio State secondary. Um, it's good to see, but I was kind of caught off guard because I, I, I really thought that he wasn't even going to be playing. Um, Indiana, Indiana's offense looked really good, um, high, real fast-paced. They hung with uh, with Ohio State for, you know, eventually they, 
the talent and depth of Ohio State wore, wore out Indiana, which we I think we both kind of saw coming. Um, but their offense looked good, and Simi Cobbs looked really good. Hopefully, I, I haven't gotten an update on um, Westbrook's injury, but hopefully he can come back um, and, and kind of just add another dynamic piece. But but for yeah, for Ohio State, their secondary looked really shaky, um, and I think that I don't know that one week is enough time to turn that around and get ready for Baker Mayfield um, and the Oklahoma passing offense. Uh, his stat line from last week is pretty ridiculous. He was 19 to 20 for 329 yards and three touchdowns, um, an adjusted yards per attempt of 19.5. Uh, those numbers obviously are not going to be sustainable in the, over the long haul, but I'm really high on Baker Mayfield. Um, I think just because he's he's older for a prospect, he's short, uh, relatively speaking, for a prospect. He kind of gets looked down on a bit, but he's been one of the most productive quarterbacks we've seen in college um, in a, in a while. Um, this is you know this is probably the the marquee matchup of the week. Um, I know you'll probably want to talk about the Ohio State running backs, your boy J.K. Dobbins. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna go. This this one is tough too, but I think I'm gonna take Oklahoma plus seven and a half here. Um, I don't necessarily know if they're going to win the game, but I think it does stay within a touchdown. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma does win. I think that Ohio State secondary really got exposed against Indiana, and. Um, Baker Mayfield is a superior quarterback, so I think that he could kind of do the same thing to them as well. Um, but like I said, I know you probably want to talk about J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, Dobbins, uh, true freshman, spark phenom, at 145 spark score, uh, 29 carries, 181 yards, no touchdowns, did have two catches for 24 yards as well. Um, I think he might have Wally pipped Mike Weber per se, because Mike Weber was injured. I'm not sure if Weber's going to be able to get that job back. Um, Dobbins, um, I would say, very similar type of player to a guy like Saquon Barkley or Darius Geis. I think within, you know, after the season, we could be talking about him as, you know, that type of player, a a high first-round draft pick, someone like, you know, the guy he's he's not replacing, obviously. Ezekiel Elliott was gone last year, but kind of, you know, following in the footsteps of, as Mike, Mike Weber didn't. Had over a thousand yards last year, but didn't exactly fill that void totally. Um, the main thing with Ohio State, why they were struggling so much, in my opinion, was their receivers. Their receivers really didn't come to play till late. Uh, Paris Campbell had a long touchdown, ended up with six catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. Johnny Dixon had a 59-yard touchdown. But other than that, if you take out those two long touchdowns, um, both guys barely, you know, don't have over. I don't. I don't know if he. Neither of them have over. Excuse me. Paris Campbell just has over 60 yards. Johnny Dixon has nine yards. J.K. Dobbins is the next leading receiver with 24 yards. Um, so I- I'm really concerned about their receiving core. But in the same vein, um, Oklahoma's receiving core isn't anything to ride home about either. They have Mark Andrews at tight end, but their receivers—they're um, not Simi Cobbs essentially. And I know Ohio State secondary struggled, uh, but Kendall Sheffield, Denzel Ward. Two guys who uh, physically fit the profile. It was kind of their first game playing under the spotlight. I wouldn't be shocked if Urban kind of whipped them into shape this week. Uh, if Ohio State's linebackers kind of held Andrews in check, because uh, they have really good linebackers. Jerome Baker is one one that particularly stands out. Ohio State's run defense was good, even though Indiana only ran for 27 yards 
or 27 attempts, excuse me. They only ran for 17 yards on 27 attempts. Um, so I'm going to take Ohio State uh, with the points. It's at home for them. Big game. They killed them last year. Um, Mayfield's going to try to do everything he can, I think, to lift that team up. But ultimately, you know, without having that running attack of P. Ryan and Mixon, losing, you know, his top receiver in D.D. Westbrook, uh, I'm going to take the inexperienced Ohio State team uh, over Oklahoma. Um, and the last game we have, a fairly big game, actually, is uh, USC-Stanford, so another uh, top 15 matchup this week. USC's at home, favored by five points. The, the Golden Boy, Sam Darnold, and USC both struggled a little bit this week. Uh, USC was tied late into the fourth quarter with Western Michigan, which uh, that, that shocked me. Um, I, I was not expecting that at all, especially since the game was at home for USC, and Western Michigan obviously lost um, a good portion of their team, you could say, with uh, Zach Terrell, Corey Davis, and P.J. Fleck all leaving. But Darnold... Uh, no touchdowns, two interceptions, 289 yards, um, 23 for 33, uh, so completion percentage was okay. But the, the rushing attack was really what propelled USC. Um, Ronald Jones, 18 carries, 159 yards, three touchdowns, and true freshman uh, Stephen Carr, who we both highlighted that we liked a lot, seven, uh, seven carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns, including a 52-yard touchdown that kind of broke the game open for USC. Um, and kind of save them for what would have been a massive upset. Um, and Deontay Burnett, their top receiver, had seven catches for 142 yards, so kind of built on that nice Rose Bowl. Um, but that, that was uh, a little concerning for USC this week, in my opinion. Um, and the defense giving up 31 points is what concerns me more than uh, the offense looking a little shaky. Um, but what I really want to touch on, like I mentioned, was Darnold. Um, I believe it was Justice Mosqueda who tweeted out how Darnold had five touchdowns to four interceptions against both teams last year. And, you know, talk all you want about how much Western Michigan lost, but they did make a, a, a excuse me, New Year's Six Bowl. I was thinking PCS Bowl. Um, that's a couple years down the line um, last year. So obviously a talented team still. Um, Darnold, two interceptions against them. So. He kind of needs to display that consistency more if he kind of wants to be anointed the next Andrew Luck like some people have done. Um, Stanford looked good against Rice, didn't play this week. I'm going to take Stanford plus five. I don't know if they'll necessarily win, but I'm going to take Stanford with the points. I think it'll be a close game. But and this game, is it's at USC, is that correct? Okay. Um, yeah, Stanford mm-hmm. looked really good against Rice. Uh, we talked about that offense a little bit last week. Um there are a couple pieces on there that we like, and like you said, you kind of you kind of laid it out with Darnold. It was a bit disappointing to see his final stat line um, during two interceptions, and also like you said, the USC defense giving up 31 points to Western Michigan. It's a bit concerning. I think um, I think that what we saw in offense from Stanford last week against Rice is real. Um, obviously, the step up in talent here is pretty big from Rice to USC, but I think that what they can do on offense can can be sustained, um, and I think that Bryce Love is a pretty talented running back. We've talked about him a good bit, too. Um, so I'm going to agree, and I'm going to take Stanford plus five. Um, 
like like you said, I, I think that it, you know, I think USC could end up winning this game, but I think that it's closer than the spread. So um, I'm also going to agree with you and go Stanford plus five. And kind of rolling into our last little segment. It does. I think your upset um, kind of coincides this a little bit. This is kind of a, this was a tough week to pick an upset. Um, I got, you know, obviously you saw what happened to both of us last week. Didn't quite work out. So this is a bit hit or miss in this area. But I think that the way that Western Michigan performed last week against USC was, was concerning for USC, but pretty positive for Western Michigan, their offense. So I'm a, I'm down on Michigan state this year. Um, Western Michigan goes to Michigan State this week. The Spartans are seven-point favorites. I'm going to pick Western Michigan to win outright. Um, it's a bit of a bold call because Michigan State should win, theoretically, but I'm a little bit down on them this year, and I was encouraged you know, to see what my Western Michigan did on offense. So I'm just going to roll right over into this week with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my pick kind of related to another team we talked about. Um, Missouri's favored by four against South Carolina. While the offense looked good for Missouri, like we said, that defense really struggled. Uh, South Carolina looked pretty impressive in an upset win over North Carolina State. Um, SEC, champ, SEC East champs, in my opinion. Uh, South Carolina, I'm picking them over Mizzou. So... Uh, South Carolina plus four, and I'm taking them out right too. So I really like them a lot this year. I like that pick with a lot of talent. I like that. that I think uh, it's going to surprise some people. Um, um, that'll do it for us. Uh, one game we didn't touch on, I'll just mention quickly. Florida lost to Michigan, and Florida's offense was pretty abysmal. Michigan's defense looked good, so um, I, w- I was not pleased to see Michigan. Um, not pleased to see Michigan win, but um, kind of pleasantly surprised, I guess you could say, to uh, to see that defense perform so well against Florida. But Florida's not not a team that I think is going to be uh, a real yeah. SEC the suspensions definitely hurt them. Um, Callaway like and that. Scarlett both being out, um, and uh, it was a little bit dicey for Michigan early, but they they ended up rolling at the end. Um, and I think we both. Um, I think that was I actually took Florida in that game, but um, yeah, that's that's definitely you know that offense looks looked pretty anemic for Florida, and I think that that might kind of be the way it goes even when they get the their suspended guys back. But they're you know definitely something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, the week of college football is wrapping up right now. West Virginia just scored to go up six uh, three midway through the second quarter on Virginia Tech. So we got one more game tomorrow or. We got another game tonight, actually, at Texas A&M, UCLA, and then one more game tomorrow night with Georgia Tech, Tennessee. So, we get some more football. NFL's back on Thursday. Obviously, we have college Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, good to be back in uh, in football mode again. Um, for Jordan, uh, at, at uh, Twitter on at jhoover9787. I'm Kyle Pollock at Twitter on at Kyle Pollock FF. See you later, uh, guys. See you guys next week, and enjoy week three of football. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Rotoviz Radio podcast. Our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. 
As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Turbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 